You're listening to Cadence, a podcast for creatives. I'm Yana Zaro. And I'm Hafsa Majinua. If you're new to the podcast, Cadence is a conversation around topics that we wish we'd been more informed on when we started out in our career paths. The hope is to arm you, the listener, with some takes and tips that might be of service as you venture out on your own unique path and to just have a really fun conversation with a friend. And I'm excited for our conversation today with Paloma around... I am too. She's such a great thinker and maker. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're talking about process, the long and short of it with her. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And I think we had, you know, kind of talked about this topic and, you know, really thinking about the things that go into our work and how, you know, we begin working sort of those foundational moments before we embark on a project and figuring out the the what, the why, the when, and the how, right? Mm-hmm. And staying on task. Mm-hmm. And I think that she is just a wonderful collaborator. I am collaborating with her on an upcoming exhibit, and I've learned so much from her already. And um, knowing that she's going to be part of this longer process uh, for our next few episodes, mm. knowing that she's going to talk about studio mm. and professional practice. Mm. And then our upcoming episodes are about uh, working and acquiring clients mm. and then valuing yourself. Um, I'm just, I feel like we have all the pieces of a puzzle. Yeah. I'm really excited. I, I keep flashing back to when I was in school and, you know, I, I feel like school prepared me pretty decently for, you know, what my career is now, but it's always nice to listen to people who have already sort of been in those trenches and, and taken that path and they sort of pre-done the work for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I think the way that this is kind of set up to sort of bridge from sort of one discipline into the next is hopefully going to be helpful for our listeners. We are so excited to introduce our guest today. Paloma Nunez Reguero is a printmaker born in Lima, Peru, of a Mexican and Chinese Peruvian father. She came into printmaking during her early years at the Facultad de Artes Plásticas, the College of Arts, in Jalapa, Veracruz, Mexico. In 1997, she transferred to the Rochester Institute of Technology, where she received her BFA. She is the recipient of the RIT International Scholarship Award, the Maurice Mulligan Scholarship Award, and Elizabeth Charles Award. Paloma has curated and judged numerous exhibits, including the Embracing Our Differences Michigan exhibit, a series of large billboard-sized reproductions of art in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. This past summer, Paloma was the exhibiting artist at the Sagatech Center for Art, where she not only exhibited her work in a solo show, but helped in the creation of various art events and educational programs for all ages. Paloma is a printmaking instructor at her own studio, as well as others, including Signal Return in Detroit, Michigan, the School of Environmental Sciences at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and the Lansing Art Gallery in Lansing, Michigan. She calls herself an incessantly positive artist, and profoundly believes in art as a tool to create the social change that can lead us to thoughtful actions and bettering ourselves and our communities. And I could not agree with that concept more. Thank you so much, Paloma. Thank you for having me. That bio sounds better in your voice than in mine. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's just such a delight to read an impressive bio like that. Thank you for putting that together. And what a fantastic, you know, group of skill sets to bring here. I'm really honored that we're able to have someone with your expertise and that breadth of experience. Uh Thank you. I'm always happy to share. There's no secrets about what I do. So... (laughs) I'm happy to share everything that I know about at this point. Yeah. 
for our audience and anyone who might be listening for the first time, the way that, you know, we kind of run this podcast is to really talk about, you know, the labors of, you know, our creative endeavors, you know, at the labors and also the leisures, you know, what are the payoffs after, you know, we kind of go through the friction and any of the, you know, the hurdles to to get to the places that we want to be in our careers. Um, and so I think, you know, to kick things off, Paloma, you know, please tell us more about, you know, what you do, you know, what is the process around the kind of printmaking that you do and, and how did you, you know, start? Uh, the kind of printmaking that I do is relief printmaking. And basically it can be the way I approach it is on linoleum. Um, I came across this technique when I was 18 at the time at the Facultad of Artes Plásticas in, in Veracruz, Mexico. And I found it, um, well, at my tender year of 18 years old, I mm-hmm. found it like incredibly um, challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, because um, it is a complicated, kind of complicated technique at the beginning because you have to think everything in a negative image and mm-hmm. in a mirror image. Mm-hmm. And the other part of the challenge was that it is, or it was, is maybe a little bit less, but still uh, having uh, more representation by men than by women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so printmaking felt like um, it matched kind of my personality like yeah I can do it I can do it I don't need <laughs> do to it. be a man to do it so um I think that was the first drive like being a teenager but from there I, it it stuck with me and I just couldn't let go of it and all the social character of pre-making like being a medium that is uh for the people mm-hmm. um that that treats uh, or talks about uh, social issues and that is being used as a way to communicate and propagate information about social issues is something that really um, caught me. Like one of the important things uh, for me because I I came from a country with a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Peru. I grew in Peru until I was nine, but we went through a lot of um, unstable governments and socioeconomic situations where I I still remember the sound of the tanks coming through the street mm-hmm. or not being allowed to look through the windows because of the chance of a bullet coming through the window. Mm-hmm. So I can I kind of grow with that sensibility for social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then Mexico is also a, pro, a country with a lot of social issues and a lot of printmaking too, mm-hmm. um, talking about that. So it kind of it is ingraining me. So I do printmaking uh, in the relief printmaking realm, uh, linoleum print, and um, usually I concentrate on social issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you say that there's a little bit of a correlation between the medium and sort of the culture that the medium is being used in? Like, is there sort of a propensity for, you know, something like, you know, printmaking or linoleum to to happen in places where, you know, maybe people don't have access to different types of like, they're just trying to create, right? And they're sort of using all of these mediums um, that they have access to, to tell their stories and to kind of communicate, you know, what's happening from a social and cultural perspective. Yeah, I think definitely pre-making um, in, in the past, uh, like the predecessor as um, letterpress, mm-hmm. um, 
come as a phenomenon of the minority mm-hmm. trying to gain a territory um, and insert themselves in the mm-hmm. system to get some sort of justice for them in different realms. Um, yeah, it's like every time you watch a movie about a revolution or a social movement, there is always this little press in the background that mm-hmm. is moving back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, printing flyers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the idea of the Bible being printed mm-hmm. and being made available to uh, people, mm-hmm. that was... Uh, what took to the Inquisition later because it was too much information for uh, governments and uh, and religious leaders for people to have around and that can cause some yeah. sort of revolt. So, and so yeah, definitely I feel like um, um, pre-making is a medium of the people. I want to urge everybody to go to Paloma's website, which we'll post with this episode. But if you had to describe what one of your prints looks like to someone listening, oh, how would okay. you describe it? Uh, well, at the moment, the work I've been doing for the past, wow, uh, three years now is uh, portraits. Mm-hmm. And these portraits measure 24 by 18 inches. They are black and white, they are relief, uh, linoleum prints, relief print making, and they're portraits of minorities. Um, I'm trying to um, be a conduit for minorities to tell their stories and their feelings and their ideals on how, what will be uh, better for them if we understand them, yeah. like bring their stories mm-hmm. forward and uh, create this horizontal connection between people, like learning from firsthand or some sort of firsthand way to tell people about the struggles of minorities in a majoritarian society. So the images are um, portraits that I make, uh, trying to bring the beauty of the people I work with, the participants in this installation, which is called Counted, Uncounted, So You Know Us. and in a way connect with the viewer to create a more mindful relationship between the majoritarian uh, uh, society and minorities. What are you, how does, how, how do you get inspired, you know, around something like that? Like what's sort of that trigger for you that's like you, you see a face or an image and mm-hmm. then you capture it? Like what does that moment of inspiration look like for you? Oh, uh, First, I find the beauty in the face of this person. So I will be, I have this, after so many years of making prints, I will look at you and I will be like, in my mind, I'm <laughs> your face away. So I'm like, oh, oh, wow, that would be so amazing. And then you would turn a little bit. And I'm like, wow, that's even better. Imagine that that's that's a little gouge. And then, yeah. A little then, gouge. Yeah, gouge. Gouge. Your I'm face. gouge. Yeah, the little gouge. Like how I go with number one on this part. And wow. Yeah, I, that's cool. what catches my eye first. And then 
if you're a minority, I will, oh, maybe <laughs> we can sit and talk. Really? And uh, maybe this person has something to talk. And I have come across people that say, I don't have anything to tell you. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> we'll thank still you. be friends. Yeah. Um, or people that say, yeah, I would love to have my portrait made, but uh, I'm a little bit shy about talking mm. issues. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll go for a portrait and not the story. Yeah. Uh, but some people will say yes. They feel like, yes, <laughs> this is my chance to right. tell you all about what is going on with me and people to listen to me. And yeah. then we'll do the complete yeah. uh, Paloma pre-making pack of <laughs> portraits, <laughs> conversations. I'm going to hashtag that. <laughs> Paloma pre-making <laughs> pack. Yes. I love yeah. it. Well, I love that too, that it kind of like, it's not just the portrait for you. It's that conversation and kind of understanding the person that, you know, you're about to capture in this, you yes. know, unique medium. Yes. Like, that's so interesting. Yes. And, uh, like you remember when we are little, uh, parents tell us not to talk to strangers <laughs> and the total opposite, I will talk to everybody and try to listen and see okay who wants to tell me something i'm here i'm yeah. all ears yeah <laughs> i feel so fortunate to have met paloma and um to collaborate on this project that we're working on together and one of the things that strikes me and particularly for this topic is your ability to just navigate the process right we're here talking today about the long and short of it so you did this um, is it a residency at Sagatuck? Would you call it that? It's, it's like an artist in residence. Okay. Kind of mm -hmm. So you did that for most of the summer, but there was a lot of planning that went up to it. And then there are projects that you're working on for next year. And then in between, you're still applying for grants for the short term. So can you tell us a little bit about where your mindset is when you say, I have something that is 12 months, 24 months, or two months out? How do you, how do you grapple? with that kind of that schedule as an artist okay um so we always have the short term versus the long term and everything that happens in between because there is also family and mm -hmm. friends who need something from you or stuff like that so um what I do is that I try to envision what my projects are going to be every six months like I don't go for the whole year because then there is a lot of loose ends, uh -huh. but I realize that I can manage six months at a time. So I create this, I use this app called mind map that comes through Google. Like if you hit on your drive and you go to others, there is this little thing called mind map. Oh, cool. um, um, and I use that one and I, put on one side of my page my goal, let's say, uh, in the case of the Sagatak work, uh, opening of art exhibit, the practice taking route on January, uh, no, June 1st, 2023. Mm -hmm. And then what do I have to do before that? Mm -hmm. Okay, I need to create an inventory of the work I have. What do I have to do before that? Oh, I have to actually create the work. <laughs> before the work, I have to interview the people. Uh, and before that, I have to talk to the galleries and create a contract and and sign the contract and all that. Working so backwards. I yeah. work backwards from the dates, the important dates of big projects mm -hmm. uh, to the day I'm sitting 
at the play in my, on my desk. Okay. okay. And from there, I add dates. Like first, I add months to where each part of the uh, this backwards going mm -hmm. has to happen. Like I know that the inventory has to be ready to do by mid May, and I would mm -hmm. say mid May because I don't know what is going to happen before sure. or after. So I try to give myself room for yeah for anything that happens like once i had a show and i was working super fast to work for this show and then one of my daughters broke an arm mm -hmm. and we had to do surgery so what yeah. happens there so um i had to work during the night and take care of her during the day mm -hmm. so we kind of have day. to adapt and, yeah adapt to those those circumstances so from that um event i learned that i have to give myself room and when i say yes to a project is because i already study my mind map and i know i can right. do it hmm. if it is a short-term um project i already organize my long project project and i have to see mm -hmm. where can i fit it and how it was going to fit within those little gaps that i left mm -hmm. And then add it to the mind map and then go month by month, right. week by week. And then I keep adding every week. I add to my planner, which tasks mm -hmm. need to be done that day in order to get to the next point. So this is a very kind of precise process that you're describing, which makes sense because the kind of work that you do is you know, it's often over a longer period of time and there's so many components involved, yes. right? Like there's the creative planning phase, but then there's also like all of the logistics that go into that from start to, you know, actually shipping the work, which I think is so interesting. And I think it's important to, you know, for folks that are, you know, I think when you're first kind of starting out, you're not always cognizant of that timeline from the beginning of a project to the end and all of those little things that need to happen in the middle and then like leaving space like you were describing for, you know, contingencies that might happen or, you know, maybe you have to work longer hours than you expected or something pops up that, you know, it, it, it might screw a little bit with that timeline, but you sort of almost have to anticipate in a way that like, mm -hmm. You know, things might change from point A to point B, but as long as you've, you know, made that decision to kind of plan things out as much as you can from the start, you you can kind of like forgive yourself a little bit, right? Yes. Yes. And also it gives you peace of mind. You yeah. can't sleep at night. You don't have mm -hmm. to think what is next yeah. because you already planned it and it's already in your planner mm -hmm. and you just have to get your hands on it and yeah and go for it every single day mm -hmm. so that's that's how i balance the long um the long term project with the short term project mm -hmm. um yeah and you have to also give time to yourself to rest so you mm -hmm. even have to mark those days when you are going to rest because mm -hmm. Um, you can't just work yourself to the bone now. You gotta. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, that just goes right into our next section so 
perfectly. Paloma, I know that you have, like you just said, these these sections of rest and self-care that we've mm-hmm. talked about when we're scheduling things out. And I've never actually heard somebody talk about it in such succinct terms. And it really impressed me because there was something that you said to me once. Um, it would be better, you know, like after 2 p.m. because I have my rituals. And I thought, oh my gosh, you are my new idol because (laughs) (laughs) to just voice it, that what you need and what you expect, Mm -hmm. not just of the person that you're collaborating with, but what you reserve for yourself Mm -hmm. is so refreshing. So can I ask you, um, what do you do in terms of what you're willing to share in terms of your habits and your rituals that preserve yourself? Like Mm -hmm. what, what do you, um, practice? Um, I, yeah, as I mentioned before to you, um, I save a big chunk of my morning to take care of myself. Um, I, I do exercise daily. Um, it can change, uh, like yoga has been a practice I've been taking for the past eight years mm-hmm. and that's, um, uh, mind and body, uh, gets taken care of mm-hmm. in that part. Um, I also enjoy very long walks. Like I can work like maybe five miles, six miles mm-hmm. in the morning and just, it will help me like ground myself, yeah. like be in the fresh air, even if it is cold, just to listen to the birds and the, the, the leaves in the wind mm-hmm. and feeling the cold air in my head is like mm-hmm. so grounding for me. Um, another thing that I'm very aware of is that I have to feed myself well. Yeah. Um, good food. Uh, for the good food. Yes. Yeah. Good food. Try not to overeat because it makes me really sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I know that I have to be aware of my uh, morning routine. Like, uh, I'm a big fan of the intermittent fasting mm. because it helps mm. my mind, mm-hmm. uh, not to get foggy in the morning. So yeah. I can focus on what is my task. The one that I have on my plan yeah. that I already planned a few months ago. Amazing. So I just go for it. Um, and good sleep. Oh my goodness. I'm, mm. uh, I'm a pro at sleeping. So. <laughs> Please teach me your ways. Yeah, I mean, I I will, I will, yeah, like that that uh, that post about um, I was born to rock and roll. Yeah, it's only from seven in the morning to ten at night. Yes. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it for me. Um, consistency, consistency, yeah. consistency. I, I, yeah, I even dislike being taken away from my routine mm-hmm. like when yeah. uh, things come up I'm like oh I, I miss my morning mate uh, <laughs> or my my morning walk or my morning exercise right. uh, it takes it like breaks my balance a little bit right. I have to super concentrate to go back into it it takes harder mm-hmm. to, to do that um, so yeah I do that I Enjoy meditation, even though I haven't practiced in a while, mm-hmm. but I, that's another way. All the breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a very anxious person, so that helps me yeah. uh, ground myself. Um, yeah, and why not? A morning of uh, skincare or hair sure. care. It's, there is nothing wrong with that. It's mm-hmm. not going to take very long uh, or take away from the person you are. So, (laughs) well, I love this conversation too, because I think, you know, when 
some people think of, you know, the creative process, they always kind of hone in on the technical part of it, right? It's like, you know, how do you go from point A to point B with the work itself? And they're Mm -hmm. not always counting in that very important factor that you've just described of self-care. Like self-care is an important part of the creative process. If you're not taking care of your body and your mind, it's going to affect your work and, you know, actually being able to accomplish, you know, whatever task it is you've set out to do. So I love that it's such an important, you know, sort of part of your process for you and like, you know, taking the time to eat well, to get enough sleep, I need to do that, um, to, (laughs) you know, to meditate and, you know, really focus on, you know, honing that muscle that is your mind and your body. It's like, you need that to make the work. And and, and also if, if, if I feel like my work personally is a lot about loving Mm. people. Mm -hmm. So if I don't love myself, how I'm going to love the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So I have to pamper myself and, and dress up to, to vibe with the day and with how I feel and how I'm going to give love to all the people that I'm going to come across today. Mm -hmm. So I really need to take the time to do that. So, and it feels good. Oh, that just made my heart swell. (laughs) So important in art making. You're giving so much. Yes, you are a giver. In art making, you are are a giver. So I thought of another question after this one, Paloma, but I'm curious that now that you've been a printmaker and an artist for many years, when you feel shifts or changes in your work or your your studio rituals, how do you invite those changes in? It sounds like you're such a um, intentional planner. Do mm-hmm. you allow those shifts to just take over or how do you how do you invite them in? Um, I go into my practice with a very open heart and I try not to be too hard on myself about sticking to the plan, like to the bone. Uh, so yeah, sometimes, uh, these changes, um, happen and I have to open my heart to them, uh, be grateful for the opportunity to try something different mm. or to experiment with something different, even though it's very hard for me <laughs> uh, to say yes to these changes. And I have to allow myself to share because these changes usually come with people, mm. with people that want to participate, with people that want to make a different project, with people that want to talk about mm. um, one's maybe advice on how I do things mm-hmm. or uh, wants me to look at their work or wants to do a collaborative work. So even though I love my time at a studio in silence by myself, mm-hmm. I, I'm i open to those little shifts here and there. And sometimes there are big shifts. There are some that are scary for me, like my space is closing on me, like with all the materials that I have and everything, (laughs) my space is getting really, really small for me. (laughs) But it makes me really nervous to move everything out. Mm. So, um, and and look for another space and look for another, that kind of things. Yeah. 
That's a break. Quite hard. Yeah. It's a shift. It's a huge yeah. shift. And the opportunities come and I'm like, oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> and then I'm like squeezing between my table oh, yeah. and my press and pulling everything out to put new things in. So, yeah, I have to be, I have to go with an open heart, with gratefulness and with willingness to allow myself this mm-hmm. shift. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of courage, too. It, it takes courage. Yeah, because you sort of have to. You're you're stepping a little bit outside of your comfort zone, and it's like you know that there's something that you need to do, like for the benefit of your practice. But like, it's a thing you have to plan. You kind of have to plan for it. No, you have to fit it in. Yeah, yeah. Or or um, contact people that live far from here to do an interview and then drive all the way there. It's like, (laughs) but I love. I mean, but I that's a hard part for me. But I. Buckle up and I mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. yeah. That's actually kind of an interesting point. Like, I've had sort of those projects that, you know, I've kind of dreaded. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen and, you know, it's going to be something that I enjoy doing. But, like, there's that moment of dread before I'm actually in the process. And, like, I'm traveling to, you know, interview someone or film someone. It's like, oh, I have to go somewhere. I have to take this time. I have to set up equipment. I hope nothing's broken. I hope it all works correctly. <laughs> you know, and then you get there and everything's fine. And you enjoy the conversation and, you know, you get the work done. And it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, yeah, going places and spending time there yeah just finding the right ballroom in the hotel is one of my most anxiety stressful (laughs) yeah sometimes i've never met the client in person or just making my flight getting the lift it's yeah it's one thing after another i mean solo i'm okay with i actually i actually really relish um eating dinner by myself now I I mean so the other day I was at this Italian place and everybody was chatting and they had family and their dates and I was just like I'm sitting at a four top table with everything cleared away except for my place setting right so so there is something uh when we talk about the leisure Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of leisure in going to places and exploring them yeah as as anxiety ridden as it can be sometimes to take that moment and say, I'm going to order whatever I want on this menu and I don't have to share it with anybody. Yeah. That's, that's a self-care practice. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm the person that goes to the theater by themselves and sits in the back row. Like, I love that. I don't think it's weird at all. I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice. You can talk to yourself as much as you want. Yeah. 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 I had that, uh, this summer going to Sagatak, that sitting experience by yourself is like, Mm. yeah. I did it. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. I'm mm-hmm. going to own it. I'm not going to yes. be sad because my family is not having dinner with me. Right. It's my day. And yeah. I feel like that's a topic in and of itself. It's like, you know, the creative's anxieties and the ways that they sort of overcome them. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because I'm, I'm an anxious I don't always... People don't know that I'm anxious all the time, but, you know, I feel like we all have sort of like a low-grade oh, anxiety. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Sure, performance anxiety, all of that. Mm -hmm. Paloma, what is the name of the studio that you're working at? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, Uh, it's it's my second home. It's called Ipsy Alloy Studios. It's in 
Ypsilanti, Michigan, uh, nice. at the intersection of Mansfield and Michigan Ave, um, is a space where 16, 17 artists have little spaces. Mm -hmm. uh, the space is divided, and uh, there are uh, three owners to the space. Uh, who welcomed me with open arms when I moved back from Mexico with my large press. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's a, an excellent place for having this art energy and sharing with all the artists that are there. Like now after COVID, we're starting to see more faces more often and mm -hmm. it feels so good when one person is making prints, the other one is doing ceramics, the other one is painting, oh, the other one is... Incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, it feels like... Uh, it's so homey for me. And mm -hmm. it, even during the pandemic, it was like uh, we have to sign up and only two people would allow with masks mm -hmm. and cleaners mm -hmm. and everything and two with the opposite place in the opposite sides of the studio. But uh, just having a place to go and make art mm -hmm. and be in complete silence without interruptions mm. feels really good. So, yeah, this, this group has uh, been there, I think, for eight years. I came after their first year so um been seven years there and they have been uh holiday sales and art shows that have been organized the last uh, art show uh, i did it with my friend jessica tenbush we organized this um art show for um to show at Hatch Art in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a way to regroup um, our little community of artists there and, yes. and create art together and um, with a good excuse for going out for a beer or <laughs> inviting mm -hmm. um, the galleries and have more social moments after yeah. the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a place that I I'm very grateful for. Do you find that having this sort of creative environment to do your practice and does it augment your work at all? Definitely, definitely. I I don't believe in personally, maybe it works for other people, but <laughs> I don't believe in the artist or in the art practice that is done in isolation. Hmm. No, uh, my work I think is um, greatly greatly support and or, or fed through different uh for through my community my family my studio mates i also have a, a development coach mm. that i work with who has helped me amazingly to get ahead in my career mm. the galleries the organizations that support artists uh, through grants and projects, that kind of stuff, mm. and the people that make something special out of our work, the people that make the custom-made pieces, mm. the digital experiences, all these, uh, uh, it's, it's impossible to work in isolation. I yeah. feel like I'm fed through uh, project partners and, mm -hmm. and communities. Yeah. It's, it's not all by myself. Other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, help people. <laughs> I, I cannot yeah. do this alone. So right. <laughs> it has to be collaborative. Let's get together. So, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a collaboration. My work is definitely a uh, fruit of collaboration. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get into tactics here? Yes. That sounds good. Nice. So here's a tactic to think about for your own process. 
stay fresh by stepping away. And actually, I think you wrote this one, oh. Ian, but I mean, I can relate because I'm like, I, yes, I did skip meals. I also got frustrated. I also did not take breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so a while ago, I had this mentor um, and she's still in my life, an incredible woman who told me about the Pomodoro effect. Yes. Uh, it's a it's a tomato timer. Yes. It's the Pomodoro oh. tomato. Endorsed. And it is 20 minute increments where you do the work and then you step away and you come back and do the work. So it's this intentional yeah. um, intensity of focus that you bring while you're doing the work, knowing that when it is time that you step away. And it's kind of like what you said, Paloma, about mm-hmm. scheduling your your rest time, knowing that it's coming so that you can give your full energy to what you're working on in the moment. And I think that um, works for most people, right? If you know that you have that regimented time to have leisure, then you should be focused right now, Mm -hmm. but also to give yourself some grace, right? Absolutely. We all need, we all have off days. Yes. I would endorse uh, the Pomodoro timing timer technique. I just call it a technique. What it's called. Yeah. Yeah, But I know it's a tomato. Yeah. It's a tomato. (laughs) And there's all, I think there's like some apps that will, they kind of let you like schedule times based on that kind of philosophy. I do it myself all the time and it does work. Like I feel like, cause it sort of forces you to, you know, factor in that not leisure time, but just like a break to focus on something other than a work Mm -hmm. for the time for a little, a little time. And then you come back to work and it sort of refreshes. It's like a reset. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I love that technique. I didn't bring another tactic, but I don't know, Paloma, do you have any thoughts on like, you know, sort of from the perspective of, you know, what's something that, you know, a practitioner could think about as they, you know, work on developing their own process? Yeah, well, uh, always a plan ahead so you can avoid the anxiety of what is next. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely that helps my practice. Um, uh, I update my calendars, like the one on the on the online, the Google calendar that goes with the planner that has to show up on the phone too, yeah. and mm-hmm. make sure that everything matches. Yes. Uh, so that will <laughs> let, allow me to have a good night's sleep. Um, I love the idea of getting up every so often. I think the Fitbit also helps with that, mm. like movement. Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. Every so, I don't know. It, marks like I, I don't know how many times Steps. you have to move in the day oh. so when it vibrates mm-hmm. I get up one oh. uh, walk around the block and then I mm. sit back uh, because obviously in these times also our work demands us to be sitting still for very yeah, long right. and you can right. see the effects it's of not that in the body <laughs> yeah. so up one walk That's around super. the block and then I sit again mm-hmm. um Mm, any other tacticals? Coffee, for sure. Coffee. <laughs> Get your caffeine, your tea. Get your caffeine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, and, and, and another way to, um, uh, that have, helps me a lot is um, like working, as I mentioned, not to isolate yourself, but mm-hmm. invite people to the studio. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. every so often you can have a, different set of eyes to Mm -hmm. look at the work and kind of brainstorm on ideas and see because there are going to be so many things about my own work that I don't see but my other friends will see so uh, I think that's Mm -hmm. um, very very important in my practice and I see it 
in other of my friends' practice, and it's mm-hmm. not precisely like a uh, critique time. It's sure. just let's get together, another perspective, perspective, and talk, yeah. and then in that conversation, ideas pop podcast pop mm-hmm. what to listen to who to listen to yes. books um yeah uh reading is also a big part of my practice but since mm-hmm. we usually leave reading for the end of the day right mm-hmm. yeah so in, focus I, I put it in my uh self-care part so while mm-hmm. i'm drinking my morning mate mm-hmm. I will read a few pages of my book, so that way I don't have to think about. Yeah. I haven't read anything in a very long time. <laughs> maybe it's just a book. Maybe it's an article. Maybe yeah. it's my catching up with my art form magazines, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, that's I love that. And, and kind of piggybacking on what you were saying about you know having, you know, other people in the studio to kind of you know punt ideas back and forth mm-hmm. and then get, you know, kind of visibility. I love that so much. And I think that was, that's kind of the thing that I sort of missed the most about, you know, going into an office every day and being around, you know, other designers and artists, because like, it's so great to have that person sitting across from you or next to you and just mm-hmm. being like, Hey, can you look at this real quick? You know, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Is this conveying what I think it conveys? And if it's not, you know, then that helps me out because then I can kind of rework the work and hopefully produce something better. So having those extra pairs of eyes and perspectives, you know, at easy access around you is so helpful and so inspirational yeah. and, and just great for that creative process. Yeah. And also the playtime. Yes. Being mm-hmm. in the studio yes. without a plan. <laughs> like you go, I ink one plate, mm-hmm. I look around and see, hmm, let's see what can we print on and start playing with discarded paper, mm-hmm. discarded fabrics. That's how the that last piece came to oh. life because I had this piece of tool that I had there. Actually, I had a, I had a piece of acetate. I was like, yeah, I know it's not going to absorb anything, but uh-huh. what do I get from here? Sure. So I printed the acetate. Ooh, it makes shadows on the wall. Oh, wow. What if I print on this, print on that, print yeah. on that? So the playtime, mm-hmm. which is, feels like downtime, uh-huh. because it's so satisfying, mm-hmm. also helps. Yes. So yeah. if you receive a gift from me, it's going to be usually printed paper because oh, I won't get rid of my <laughs> ink or my paper so I have to clean a plate oh how about some paper bags yes, mm-hmm. yes. just throw mm-hmm. them there print them keep going oh that's so, so cool. it's playtime is so delicious time. yeah oh, really. it's so uh-huh. delicious when you uh have the time to do a little bit mm-hmm. extra uh-huh. with what you're making mm-hmm. make lead you into a different realm yes um, so yeah, those low stakes outcomes are like you said, sometimes mm-hmm. the delicious and best yeah, outcomes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and you have to follow your gut, like yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One more. Eh, I uh-huh. think this one is taking me somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, just follow your gut and allow yourself to Yeah. Just free yourself for a minute. Don't, you know, keep be okay with uh coloring outside of the lines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Now for this episode's homework assignments. Um, Wow, this has been such an incredible conversation. Thank you, Paloma. And I think that this plays right into it 
thinking about pacing. So if you're a procrastinator in the process, I would challenge you to make a shift that ignites your momentum. I think all of us to some degree have played into procrastination a bit. So instead of waiting until the last moment, um, spend 10 minutes sketching it out, talk to somebody about it. If you tend to speed through things, um, give it more forethought. So if you're fast at things, slow it down. If you're slow at things, speed it up. I like that. It's a good takeaway. Other piece of homework is examine your workspace. Are you a neat freak? And things are just so perfectly organized and spend a lot of time keeping things just so. Or is it organized chaos? This is me. Where you know exactly where things are. But what if your space is contributing to the chaos in your mind and contributing to inefficiency in your process? And I kind of love this because um, I have my uh, studio in my home. I have like my basement office and often my mom will come down and she's like, I can't find anything in here. It's too chaotic. There's things all over the place. How can you think in here? And I'm like, you're right. I can't think in here. It's too <laughs> so yeah, if you you know need it, take a bite out of decluttering. Definitely you know take that time to make your space ideally reflect your mind and you want your mind to work smoothly and clearly, your space should probably reflect that. Definitely. Uh, for me, well, any homework that I could, uh, or advice that I can give is, um, lead with your heart. Always, always go for the positive, always go for the pleasure of meeting people, making art, like don't, 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 get all this um, indoctrination that we have to work like crazy mm -hmm. to get to you uh, in an unpleasant way. Um, listen to your God. There is this feeling that tells you, yeah, that's a good way to go. Rely on your community. Always you are allowed to reach out always and every time. As um, my family says, you already have a no. You can only go for a yes. <laughs> so so wise. reach out always reach out and the other one is to not dispose of anyone because you never know mm. who is going to come rescue you wow so, that was powerful uh, seriously <laughs> not dispose of people you never know when so true they are the key mm -hmm. to your next step mm -hmm. treat them with respect yes. love them and see what happens I love that. I think that's the perfect way to end this. Thank you so much, Paloma. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a really, really a pleasure. <laughs> we appreciate you so much. If you like this podcast, be sure to heart, like, and subscribe to Cadence wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at, at Cadence Podcast, or check out our episodes and more at thecadencepod.com. We are proudly based in Ypsilanti, Michigan, recording from the podcast studio at Venue by 4M in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we hope that wherever you're creating from in the world, you are marching to your own cadence. Thanks for listening. Bye.